addictions, Father. Spirits of lies, lying spirits, gossiping spirits. Father, forgive us, the church, for opening the door. And Father, as we approach your word tonight, Father, we approach it humbly. We approach it with reverence and respect. Father, help us to get into position to qualify for your mighty power. Father, the only thing at this point that's going to turn our community is a mighty move of God. Father, the only thing that's going to change our nation is a mighty move of God. Father, the only thing that's going to rescue the nations of the world is a mighty move of God. But, Father, that move that has already been poured out cannot come to pass unless we, your remnant, take our place. And so, Father, we ask that as we approach your word, you put us through the refiner's fire. Father, burn out every unpure thing in us. Burn out our impure thoughts. Burn out our fears, our worries, and our anxieties. Father, burn out those things that block your power. And, Father, we give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' mighty name. Father, we thank you that as we approach your word tonight, wisdom, revelation, and knowledge will come. And, Father, we give you glory and honor. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Well, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Much, this is prayer and healing school, much sickness, much disease can be avoided if we would learn to cast the care. If we would learn to cast the care. Let's turn to, well, let's go to Joshua 1, 9, or Joshua 1. Let's go to Joshua 1. Joshua 1. Glory to God. Find uh, Joshua is just past uh, ex, just past Deuteronomy. It's right there after Deuteronomy. Joshua chapter 1. We were commanded in verse 6. Well, this is Old Testament. We live in the New Testament. Yes, I know. But the word of God is true, and technically, we fought the old, the old, the New Testament does not undo the Old Testament. If you if you are listening to a minister and that minister says, "Pay no attention to the Old Testament, throw out the Old Testament, we don't do the Old Testament anymore," stop listening to that minister. Stop listening to him. You can't have the New Testament without the Old Testament. In fact. Uh, the New Testament references the Old Testament. Uh, I think it directly references something along the lines of 1,100 times. You can't, you can't, uh, in fact, the apostles preached the entire New Testament out of the Old Testament when they were preaching. They didn't have a New Testament to preach out of. They preached Jesus out of the Old Testament. Why? Because Jesus did not come away to did not come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law. And so the statutes of God that was given in the Old Testament, as far as the principles, they still apply today. Now, do we live under the Levitical law? No, we now live under the law of love. And, and the reason is, is because the, the, the physical law of God cannot... 
Uh, no, you know, people aren't going to follow it because the flesh is weak. You have to have the spirit. So there's principles in the Old Testament that we still follow today. Joshua chapter 1, uh, remember, remember prior to this, God, Moses was trying to lead the children of God into the promised land. And remember, they kept murmuring, and they kept complaining, and they kept getting into all kinds of trouble, and Moses could never get them over into the promised land. Remember that? Yep. Well, at the end of Deuteronomy, Moses dies and goes to heaven. And Joshua was his servant, or Joshua was what they called his minister. Joshua was the one that, that was Moses' right-hand person. And I said, let's look at verse 6, but actually let's back up to verse 1. Joshua 1, one. Let's read here. Now, after the death of the servant of Moses. The no, ser- now after the death of Moses. Yes, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying. All right, now let me ask you this. Notice it says that the Lord spoke to Joshua. Well, let me say he says, after, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. The servant of the Lord. So Moses was the servant of the Lord. Let me ask you this. Are you a servant of the Lord? Yes. Yes. It came to pass that the Lord spoke on to Joshua. Why did the Lord speak to Joshua? Because Joshua was serving Moses, the Lord, their Lord. You know, Moses was their physical. Joshua was following in Moses' footsteps. We are following in Jesus' footsteps. So we can take this instruction that Joshua is given and apply it to ourselves. We can apply it to ourselves, and this is what the Lord said on to Joshua. Verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, Unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Now, let me explain this to you. The only reason that you are where you are with God is because somebody prayed for you. It's the only reason. More than likely, in most cases, the people that prayed for you were your parents, your grandparents, your aunts, your uncles, somebody There was somebody somewhere along the line that you may not even know. See, because this is what you have to understand. In the word of God, the blessings follow the children's and the children's children and the children's children's children. See, the blessings of God follows down through generations. So somewhere in the past, there's somebody that has prayed for you. Somebody's prayed for you. Somebody's lifted you up. I know in my family, on my mom's side, for sure, I know that my grandparents prayed for us. I know that my great-grandparents prayed for us. I know it for fact. They were people of God. Now, on my dad's side, I don't think that my grandmother probably ever prayed for us. I could be wrong. Maybe she did. My granddad, to the best of his ability, he probably did. But he was a hard, hard man. But now I do know this. I know that both of my great-grandparents prayed for us. I know that my aunts and my uncles, my great-aunts, my great-uncles, I know they prayed for us. 
I know came down through the lines. How do I know? Because I know family history. But what if you don't know family history? What if you look at your family history and you go, as far as I know, ain't nobody ever prayed for me. No, you can confidently know somebody prayed for you because if nobody had ever prayed for you, you would not be following God today. Somebody had to send you out. Somebody had to send out prayers. And there's a good chance that you're in my boat. Those that prayed for me have gone on. Those that have prayed for me, the Lord's able to say to me, your grandparents are now dead. Your great-grandparents are now dead. Now it's time for you to get up. Now it's time for you to get up. And it's time for you to take on the promised land. It's time for you to get up. It's time for you to do something. Well, guess what? It's time for us to do something. Now let's jump over to verse 6. What are we supposed to do? All right. It says... Well, actually, let's read verse 5. I need the tail end of 5. So we'll read verse 5. Actually, let's jump back to Deuteronomy 31. Oh, okay. Well, back up a few verses, a few chapters, a few verse chapters. Deuteronomy 31, where are we going? All right. So in chapter 31, Moses, it, it, God has just spoken to Moses and told him that uh, he's not going over the Jordan. He's not going into the promised land. And 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 that he needs to he's going to pass it over to to, uh, to uh, Joshua. So Moses. So in chapter thirty one it says, and Moses went verse one. And, yep, verse one. It says Moses went and spake these words unto all Israel, and he said unto them, I am a hundred and twenty years old this day. I can no more go out and come in. Also the Lord has said unto me, Thou shalt not go over this Jordan. So the Lord thy God, he will go over before thee, and he will destroy these nations from before thee, and thou shalt possess them. And Joshua, he shall go over before thee, as the Lord hath said. And the Lord shall do unto them, as he did unto Sion, and to Og, the kings of the Amorites, and unto the land of them whom he destroyed. And the Lord shall give them up before your face, that ye may do unto them according to all the commandments which I have commanded you. Verse 6. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee, and he will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Glory to God. Two more verses. And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him, In the sight of all Israel, be strong and be of good courage. For thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord hath sworn unto their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And the Lord... He it is that doth go before thee, and he will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. All right. See, see God told Moses. Moses told Joshua. Okay. And what did he tell? First of all, let's back up. There's some, there are some gold mines right here. There's some gems right here. First of all, he told the, he, the Lord told Moses, and Moses is telling everybody else, I'm not going out. You're not going over the Jordan. You're not going into the promised land. But look at verse 3. The Lord, the Lord thy God will go over before thee. This promise remains the same today. No matter what the Lord has told you to do, the Lord will go before thee. The Lord has already gone out before thee. This is why we call him Jehovah Jireh, because he is the God who sees ahead and makes a way. He's the one that sees ahead and provides. He said, I will go ahead and go. 
See, the main reason for fear, worry, stress, and anxiety is, you, is you're afraid that there's not a way. You're afraid of what might happen. You're fearful of the future. But if, you are, but if your faith is in Christ, then you, then you need to know and understand. See, you have, we talked about this morning that your hope will not work without faith. And your faith will not work without love. But see, we have right here, it says, The Lord thy God will go over before thee. So we have the word of God that promises us that God himself is going before us. This is something we can sink our hope into. You know, what does worry say? Oh, I hope this works out. I hope this doesn't happen. I hope this doesn't happen. I hope, what can we do? We can sink our teeth into, the Lord has already gone ahead of me and the Lord has already worked this thing out. See, we can sink our teeth into hope because we have the word of God that says, I'm going before you. And therefore, we have something we can put our faith on. And so, and, and, and this is the whole reason that the Lord said, don't be dismayed because he, because he said, be strong and good, be strong and of good courage, fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, uh, he it is that doeth go with you. If you understand that God is with you everywhere you go, if you understand that God goes before you, then you have nothing to fear. Now, go back to verse 3. He said, let's read it. The Lord thy God, he will go over before thee, and he will destroy these nations from before thee, and thou shalt possess them. Now, stop right there. Now, we understand that when he says these nations, now we understand specifically in the Old Testament, Joshua was taking over an actual physical land. That part does not apply to us. The part that does apply to us is what these nations stood for. What these nations stood for is, he said, God said, and he will destroy these nations. It means he will destroy the blockades. He will destroy the enemy. He, see, say, see, Jesus has already defeated every spirit of Satan that you will encounter. Every evil work that you will encounter in your life, Jesus has already destroyed it. He's already taken care of it. Remember, you come up against the demon of fear, and you can look, at, you can look back at the robe. Remember, Jesus is the king, and he's got the robe. He's got the royal robe. And on the royal robe is the names of everyone that he, Jesus has already defeated. And you can look back at that robe, and you can go, oh... Lack, I see you. That means lack's already been defeated. So I don't have to fear. What is that? That's the nation of lack. Oh, sickness, I see you there. You've been destroyed. That means I don't have to fear sickness. Oh, hatred, I see you've already been destroyed. So I don't have to fear the hatred. Why? Because God has already defeated it. He's already gone out before you, and he's already defeated it. So what are the nations that, say, that God has destroyed for us? Any fiery dart of the devil that comes our way. Used to be the devil would throw a fiery dart. 
And honestly, in our life, it felt like giant bombs. And oh my gosh, used to be, it'd just get us all torn up. It'd get us all out of sorts. I mean, it'd get us in a hot mess. It'd get Michael and I at each other's throats, ready just to, just, oh, and take each other out. Causing strife and division, causing fear. But we've learned over time. So now, when Satan throws something at us, we look at it brave and secure with no fear, and we go, Satan, I see you. That ain't going to work. Satan, that ain't going to work. It's not going to work. Lack? <laughs> You're stupid. We're going to have all the supply we need. And we go on and we plan our life. And we trust that the supply will come in. Amen. We trust that the supply will come in. We trust that sickness cannot stand. So what are these nations? It's the works of Satan in our day. Yes. And now he said, he said, um, and thou shalt possess them. He said, I'm going to possess them. I, in other words, Jesus yes. is going to take rule over everything that you put in his care. Write that down. God will take rule over everything that you put in his hand. If you don't put it in his hand, he can't take possession of it. You have to put it in his hand, and you have to leave it in his hand. Now, that takes some, some willpower. I mean, it's one thing to say, okay, God, here, I hand this over to you. It's a whole nother ball game not to take it back up. That's a whole nother thing in and of itself. He said, he, he said I will possess them. And Joshua, he shall go over before thee as the Lord has said. When something comes against you, when you've got fear and anxiety and worry of something, you've got to go, no, the Lord's already taken care of this. No, the Lord's already handled this. The Lord's already got my provision. The Lord's already got away. He's already got away. He can do it. Now, how do we know, though, that the Lord's going to do this? We have his word. Right? We do. In fact, if you back up just a little bit more... <laughs> To Deuteronomy 30, verse 10, it says, If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law, and if thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all thine heart and all thy soul. Oh, oh, with all thy heart, that's your spirit, and all your soul. That's, that's your, your mind. thoughts and emotions. That's your thoughts and your emotions. What does that mean? It means you've got to take authority over your emotion. You've got to tell your emotions what to feel. Too many people are ruled and reigned by their emotions. The biggest freedom I ever found in my life is when I figured out how to take control of my emotions. Now, am I perfect at it? No, but I'm a whole lot better than I used to be. And I'm getting better every day. You mean you can, you can control your emotions? Yes. Start here. When you get up in the morning, don't ask your body what it feels. This is how you, how you start. See, 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 when I lived in the world, I would do this. I'd wait, my eyes would pop open and I'd do the body check. Oh, what hurts? Oh, body, are we okay this morning? And my body go, no, we're not okay. You went to bed way too late. Your alarms are going off way too early. You had too much to drink. 
you did this and you did that. What is the matter with you? Oh, it's going to be a rough day. What was I doing? I was checking with my body. And I was surrendering to what my body said. But now I've learned. I wake up in the morning before my eyes even pop open. I begin to say, this is the day that the Lord has made. Body, you will get out of this bed and you will walk in divine health. Body, I don't care what you think. We think in line with the word. The word says that we're healthy and we're whole, so we're healthy and we're whole. The minds that the, the word says that we're to have perfect peace in Christ, so we're at perfect peace emotions. Oh, but you're a woman, and the body will, preach up, will reach up and say, oh, but you're a woman. You know your hormones, they're like a roller coaster. You know, sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down, sometimes you feel like you got to cry. Sometimes you just, you just can't just muster the energy to go. Shut up, body. I'm not subject to hormones. I'm subject to the word of God. I'm subject to the king of kings who died on the cross for me. I'm subject to walk in divine health. Now get up. And you get up. And you get up. You got to, why? Because that's what the Lord said. When, when, when things come on. Oh, you didn't get this task done. Your husband, he's going to be so mad at you. He's going to think you don't love him. Shut up. Shut up, body. My husband is a man of God. Forgiveness follows him. He knows, he believes, love follows him. He walks in love. He believes the best in me. He'll forgive me and he'll know that I love him despite my failures. Why? Because my Father God loves me despite my failures. See, what do you have to do? You've got to control your emotions. You've got to tell your emotions how you feel. I'm so depressed. I'm so down. I'm so discouraged. There's just no light around me. What are you doing letting the devil have that much rule and reign in your life? Father, I thank you that I'm surrounded in your light and your glory. Father, I thank you that I have all your provision. Now, sometimes you even have to get a little sassy with your emotions. And you've got to say, your emotions try to grab a hold of you. And there are times you've got to get bold and you've got to say, now listen here, emotions. I said I forgave that person, and that's exactly what I'm gonna, that's exactly what we're gonna do. Now feelings line up. I said I'm not gonna worry about this situation, therefore feelings, shut up. That feeling of anxiety creeping in. No, we're not gonna feel this way. We're gonna feel the peace of God. Now, now get in line with the Spirit, because your Spirit's always at peace. But notice he said in verse 10, he said, If thou shalt hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. Does it say you'll, if you will hearken to the thoughts in your mind? No. If you will hearken to the emotions on the inside? No. No. It says if you will hearken to who? The voice, voice of, of the, the Lord, Lord your God. God. To keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law. And then in 11, it goes on, because I, I can hear it now. Well, I don't know the commandments. So I guess I, I don't know what to do. Well, it says right here in 11, it says, For this commandment which I commanded thee this day is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou should say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us? In other words, we don't have to go to God and get this word straight from him, that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea. 
in a, far, in a foreign land somewhere, that thou should sayest, Who shall go over the sea for us, and, to, and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? But this word is very nigh unto thee. It's in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. This is Old Testament. Old Testament. And he said the word is already in your heart. It's already in you. Why? Because we were created in his image. Yes. Because under the Old Testament, they were required to memorize those five books. They were, mem- they, they were required. And notice it said it was in his mouth. It's in his mouth. How are you going to overcome fear, worry, and anxiety? You're going to speak the word of God. God is my provider. I shall not fail. God has made a way for me. God is leading and guiding my very footsteps. God has me right in the palm of his hand. God is the author and finisher of my life. You've got to get the word in you. Well, I, I don't have that much word in me. Shame on you. Now, if you are brand new to the word of God, that's totally different. But if you've been sitting in those seats for more than a few years, shame on you. Plus, there's a whole book on it. Shame on you. <laughs> now, if you're brand new to the word of God, that then there's mercy and grace. There's mercy and grace. You'll get there. But if you're brand new to the word of God, start somewhere. Start somewhere. Start somewhere. We'll show you some good places to start in the New Testament. But go back to, go back to chapter 31. I want you to see this in verse 4. He said, And the Lord shall go on to them as he did in, 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 in Sion and to Og, the king of the Amorites, and on to the land of them whom he destroyed. This is a type and shadow of the demons that you will face. The devils that you will face. The things that are trying to destroy your world. Now, but, but I'm not dealing with devils and demons. I'm dealing with people. I understand you're dealing with people. So are the people the devils and the demons? No. no. But people are influenced by devils and demons. Even Christians can be influenced by devils and demons. So what you have to look at is not what's coming out of somebody's mouth but what's behind what they're saying? What's behind it is an enemy coming. What's behind it? You know, I was talking to somebody recently, and they were like, this situation happened, and this was a problem, and this was a problem, and, I, and yeah, I behaved wrongly, but I apologized for my part, but, then this, but, but they haven't apologized for their part. And I said, no, wait a minute. Let me, let me ask you a question. I said, as I understand it, the person that you're dealing with, as I understand it, they're not born again, are they? Well, no. So let me see if I understand this. You're expecting a person that doesn't have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're expecting them to behave toward you the way you, a Christian, should behave. And they went, well, yeah. And I said, honey, that's not going to happen. They're not following God. You're expecting them to do something that they are incapable of doing. They're incapable of doing. See, we, as residents of heaven, we live on a higher plane. We live in a higher existence, which means we are not going to be treated the way that other people, we're not going to be treated the way that we would treat others, especially by those of the world. 
We're not going to be. You have to learn to walk. But I want you to look right here in verse 6. This is the point we want to look at. It said, be strong and of good courage. In order to overcome fear, worry, and anxiety, notice what he said. He didn't say, hope to be strong. Think maybe you're strong enough. He didn't say, pace the floor and I'll show up. No, the Lord said, be strong. Be strong. In other words, it's 100% in your hands to worry or not to worry. It's 100% in your hands to be fearful or not be fearful. Amen. You can choose to be in fear or you can choose to be strong. And God commanded, be strong. He said, be strong and, and courageous. Which means you have to make the decision to push through even when fear is trying to grab you. God never promised that fear would not come at you. Amen. He never promised that fear would not reach out its hands and try to grab a hold of you and pull you in and pull you down. What he said is when these things come, you're going to have to make a stand. This is why we say we stand on the word of God. You're going to have to make the decision, I'm going to be courageous in this moment. I'm going to be strong in this moment. And I am not going to give in to fear. I'm not going to give in to worry. I'm not going to give in. Now. He told Joshua, look at Joshua chapter 1, he told Joshua the very same thing over and over again. Let's look at verse 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Glory to God. Be strong and of a good Hold courage. On. Notice he said, there shall not be any man that will be able to stand before you. Again, they were getting ready to overtake a physical land. We, on the other hand, in some, sometimes in a situation, we are going up against a physical man. Maybe we're trying to get a job, and there's a physical man in our way blocking our job. Well, you have it on the word of God right here that no man will be able to stand in your way. Amen. Father, and at least it's not a whole man. nation of men. Right. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe you're trying, maybe you're trying to get a financial loan to do something that the Lord told you to do. But the bank's in the way. Father, your word said that no man would be able to stand in my way. Lord, you led me to do. Now make sure it was the Lord that led you. Make sure it was the Lord that told you to go do it. Not your flesh, not your emotions, not your, ooh, it feels warm and fuzzy. No, 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 no. If, if God said go do, then there's provision for you. Amen. There's an anointing for you. There's a provision for you. And when that giant comes up and that giant starts getting loud and calling you a dog and all manner of evil, that's when you are courageous and you stand and you say, but my God said no man would be able to stand against me. Now, 
Now, the other, the other thing. Hold on, let me say this. If you're trying to get a job, you're trying to get a new house, you're trying to get something, and some man stands before you, do not do this. Do not go up to that man and stand boldly and strongly and say, My God said that no man would be able to stand before me, so now get out of my way and give it to me. Because, honey, you just lost it. Oh, yeah. Honey, you just lost it. You're going to be lucky if they don't call the paddy wagon. Yeah. You just (laughs) lost it. No. You stand in the privacy of your prayer closet. You stand in that moment. You stand and you and you stand silently, just like Jesus did, and you wait. Father, what do I do now? Father, remember, remember when they brought the woman that was caught in the midst of adultery, you know, and they threw her out in front of him, meaning she was probably at least half naked, and uh, they threw him out, and, and and they said the law said we're to stone her. Does that not is that not what the law said? exactly what the law said jesus was up against it but he stood courageous and he waited on the father it says that he actually knelt down and began to write in the sand and some people have speculated what he's written if it mattered what he wrote they would have recorded it one one minister said he thought maybe Jesus was playing tic-tac-toe with the Father. Another person said that he got down in the sand and he started to etch out some different animals and different things, just thinking about what's the next creature he was going to create. Some people said that he knelt down in the sand and he began to list their sins. That's what some people believed. I don't believe any of those things are true. It's possible. What I believe occurred was Jesus was distracting them while he was waiting to hear from the Spirit. Father, how do I respond? Because what he wrote in the sand evidently wasn't important because it wasn't recorded. He doodled in the sand. He was listening and waiting on the Spirit, and the Spirit finally said, Say this, son. And he got up, and he said, Yay, that's what the, that's what the law says is the stoner. So, the one without sin, let him be the one that throws the first stone. See, God knows how to handle your situation. God knows how to get you out of your mess. But you can't handle the mess in your own might, power, and ability. You have to allow the Holy Ghost to handle it. You have to allow Jesus to. To handle it. You have to let the provision of... You've got to make a way for the provision of God to come in. And so that's what he said. He's no, he said, no, nobody's going to be able to stand in your way, but you've got to wait. And he said... And look at what he said. He said, no man will be able to stand in your way, for I will be with thee. And I will not fail thee. Nor forsake thee. See, when fear comes in when anxiety comes in you don't need to have your eyes on the situation you need to have your eyes on the on the on the fixer you need to put your eyes on the fixer the one that can make the way the one that can solve the problem the one that has seen ahead and already has the answer don't look at the problem remember i said you got to control your emotions 
Remember, you've got to control your thoughts. Satan wants you thinking on your problem. He wants you consumed with, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know, oh, how's this going to happen? How's that going to happen? He wants you focused on him. That's what he wants. Make him good and mad. Focus on the father instead. Put your focus on the fixer. Put your focus on Jesus. Father, I just praise you. I told Brooke the other day, she was dealing with some situations. I told Brooke, I said, Brooke, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. She said, what's that? I said, you need to get you a cork board in your mind. She said, what? I said, get you a picture of a cork board, like what I've got in the office in your mind. I said, and every time one of these things comes up, you just need to mentally in your mind, you need to stick it to your cork board, and you're going to go, Jesus, you've got mail. Jesus, you've got mail. What am I saying? You need to just turn it over. Refuse to think about it. So what, well, what do you mean you got back here in the office? See, I don't, Michael handles our home finances. I handle the church finances. It works out good for us that way. So for the church, what I do, how I handle it, is I've got a cork board in the front office. And when a bill comes in, I'll take it, and I highlight it. I highlight the balance due with a yellow highlighter, and I, ha- and I highlight the date. And then, in like our electric bill, we get four electric bills. So I have to add those up, and then I take the, the, the little uh, tape, and I, and I highlight the total due, and I put it with the bills, and I stick it up on a board, and I go, Jesus, you've got mail. The bill is due, you know, and I'll, I'll say how much the bill is. I'll say such and such bill is this much due, and Father, it's due by this date, and I thank you that the money comes in. And then I never think about it again. Now, does that mean it never enters your mind? Oh, no, it enters my mind multiple times a day, especially the closer the day gets. The closer the 15th gets, the more my mind goes to that bill. But what do I do every time? Jesus, I told you, you've got mail. I thank you that the bill is paid. I thank you that the church has more than enough. Father, I thank you that we're, that we're ahead, that we're the head, not the tail. We're going over. Father, this is your ministry. Therefore, it's your, therefore you supply it. And you know what? It always comes in to the surplus. Always. Always. I was telling the Lord the other day, we had one Sunday left in February. I was telling the Lord the other day, I said, Lord, I said, you know, I've always trusted you. And there's a lot of stuff going on right now that the church has got to take care of. I said, Lord, I said, Phew. I said, Lord, this one's getting tight. I said, I need a thousand dollars to come in this week. I said, that's what has to come in. It's a thousand dollars this week. Do you know that thirteen hundred dollars came in? And then I sat down and I did the math and I went, wow, God. I don't know how you did that, but I didn't need the full thousand. I only needed like eight hundred. Why? I don't know. God's math is not is not two plus two equals four. God's math is like two plus two equals forty. I don't know. I don't know how it works. But what I do know is there's always a surplus. There's always a surplus. But why is there all now this would be this would turn out very differently. This would turn out very differently. I've watched it. I've watched ministers do it. They'll go from, they'll, I mean, the, the offering will come in, and immediately, how much, how much was in the offering? 
How much was an offer? I gotta go try to calculate. Oh my gosh, there's this much. And the money was always short. Why? Because they were trying to do it in their might and power and ability instead of putting it off on them. Now, are there times that, you know, I, I just told you, I was like, Lord, we got to have this much come in. I mean, it's unusual for that much money to come in, the last, especially especially in February, because, you know, February is a short month. It's, it's, it's kind of ex- extraordinary. And, uh, and uh, um, for that to come in like that. And I just told them, I said, Lord, you are so good. Every time I say, Lord, things are looking a little tight here. Now, let me tell you, I don't like to run the, in fact, I refuse to run the accounts to zero. I refuse to run them to zero. And there's times the Lord will say, empty the account in an offering or something like that. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, well, can I leave $2 in there, please? <laughs> Just give me, and he'll work with me. He'll work with me. But he always turns it around to a blessing. No, when the Lord tells you to do something, you've got to be strong and of good courage. He tells us over and over again. Let's read verse 6 and 7. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Now, he, he, he constantly tells us to be strong and, and of a good courage. Now, does, does this mean, I mean, and he is talking about conquering a land here. That's right. Right? But is he talking about being really strong soldiers and being really buff and being well-trained and, and not being afraid of, it, of anything? Spiritually no, he's strong. not. He just got through telling them he was going to be with them, that yeah. he was going to fight with them and, and even fight for them. In fact, in one place, he tells them, you know what? you got too many men. Let's divide some out. You know, they yeah, had like, Gideon. they had what, 30? 3,400, yeah. Yeah, they had 3,400. And he he brought them down. Even he kept bringing them down to lower and lower until what there was like three hundred. Three hundred. Yeah. You know he was like, this isn't going to be awesome enough for me. So I I need you guys to step back and just let the. He, you know, a lot of people think he picked the toughest three hundred. He probably picked the weakest three hundred. You know. If but, you think about think if you think about it, they dep- he did he did it by how they drank the water out of the river. He said, the ones that get down on their hands and knees and lap like a dog, he said, send them home. See, these are the rugged people. They're not afraid to get dirty. He said, but the ones that take the water in the cup of their hand and bring it to their mouth. How much, you know, these are kind That's of the... kind of delicate. These are kind of the <laughs> delicate, primmy type. These are not the type that, well, he, Brother Randy, he talks about how when he grew up, that they'd go out on the river... And, uh, you know, you get, you get out there on the river, you get a little thirsty. So what they do is they take the pink worms, the pink worm cup, the bait cup, and they dump the bait worm out on the bait, out on the seat of the, uh, the boat. And then they take the cup and they swish it in the river a time or two. Then they get a, scu- a cup of that river water and, and, and then they drink it. And then they put the worms back in the cup and go back to fishing. And it's so funny, you can see everybody in the service going, oh, 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 oh. Like I haven't done that, but anyway. Right? And Michael and I are like, yeah, we've been there, we've done that, we've done, we, we've done that, right? But most of the people, but how much do you know, the ones that are going, oh, those are the very ones that God uses. Those are the very ones. Those are the very ones. So, so if he's not if he's not talking about physical strength, I'm not here, telling you touch a worm. I'm talking it, about when, he, when he's saying be strong. If he's not talking about physical strength here, what is he talking about? He's talking about spiritual spiritual strength. strength. So let's let's. This is where we go to verse seven. It says, "Only be thou strong and very courageous." 
that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand nor to the left, that thou mayest prosper wherever thou goest. Now, now, how much do you know that that there's a there was? I mean, if you've read the law of Moses, there's a lot. There's a lot. You know, there was a lot there, and they had to they had to follow all of it. You know, it's it's hard. It was. It's, it's not an easy thing. In order for them to to do do that, they had to uh, what we call crucify the flesh. Mm-hmm. They had to tell their flesh, no, you're not going to do that. I don't care what you want. We're not going to go there. Now, that's that's the type of strength God wants. He wants you to have the strength of character and the strength of spirit to tell your body, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to smoke that cigarette. We're not going to drink that stuff. We're not going to have sex with that lady that we're lives not down gonna, the street. We're not going to you know? gossip. We're not going to... We're not going to fear. We're not going to worry. We're not going to have anxiety. Exactly. Because those that, all this matter This is the too. type of strength he's talking about. And then the fear and anxiety facing that and, and facing that down, that's the courageous part. Yeah. Notice he said, well, how are you? So let's read verse 7 this way. Only be strong and very courageous thou they, that thou may observe to do according to all that all the law which Jesus my servant commanded thee, turning not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper um, wherever thou goest. See, Moses was a type and shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ. Moses was a type and shadow. And just like the Israelites followed Moses, we're supposed to follow Jesus. Notice it said, do not turn to the right hand or the left hand. What does the right hand represent? The right hand, uh, the right hand of of God, the right, at the right hand of somebody is your comrade. It's the person that helps you get things done. Really, what Jesus, what the Father was saying here is, don't turn to other men for help. And then he also said, don't turn to the left hand. He said, don't turn to the world's way. He said, don't turn to your way. Don't turn to the world's way, but stay straight and narrow on my path. Amen. Stay strong. Stay courageous. Do what I instructed you to do. How are you going to stay strong? The very next verse tells us. Verse 8. Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Now, there's a lot of scriptures. Notice it said meditate therein day and night. Get the word inside of you. Think on the word continually. Now I'm going to tell you one tactic that helps with fear, worry, and anxiety. Number one. You find some scripture, find the scripture that says, uh, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and the devil will flee from you. That's a good scripture to stand on. I'm resisting the devil, I'm resisting the devil, I'm resisting, I'm resisting, I'm resisting. But you're, and that's a good thing to do. But your thought is on the devil, not on the cure. I'm, re, I'm resisting. Okay, so that's good. 
The Lord has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. I'm not fearful. The Lord hasn't given me fear. The Lord hasn't given me fear. The Lord hasn't given me fear. Now, that's good. But what's your mind on? The fear. The fear. What you need to do, and this is, this is hot off the wire, what you need to do is you need to find a scripture that supports what you're fearful about. In other words, if you're fearful about finances, you need to find scriptures about how the Lord will provide for you financially. Amen. If you're concerned about how people will uh, view, you. view you and come against you, you need, to, you need to get into scriptures about how you're supposed to respond. You know, Jesus said, when people lie against you, when people persecute you, get exceedingly joyful. Get happy. Get happy. Father, I'm happy. Father, I'm excited. Father, um, why? You're, what are you doing? You're finding scriptures that cover the problem. When Satan says, oh, you'll find the scripture that talks about being a God pleaser. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Oh, you are, you are upsetting people. People are unpleased with you. Well, that's okay that people are unpleased with me, but I'm in faith, so my God, Father God is pleased with me. See what I'm saying? You find scriptures that put, you, put your eyes on the Father that helps you to overcome what you're up against. What you're up against. See, why? Because if you've got the word, like we've got the word right here, Deuteronomy, the, the Father, your word says that no matter what I'm up against, you go before me. That scripture right there. You know, them people are going to eat you alive. Father, I thank you that you go before me. Father, you go before me and you prepare my way. Father, your word says that you prepare a table for me right in the midst of my enemies. Father, I'm looking to that table. Father, I'm looking at that, how that table is full of the blessings of God. Father, I'm looking at that table, how it has my provision. Father, I'm looking at the good shepherd who causes me to lay down in green pastures. Meditate on the green pasture. Meditate on the still water. Don't think on the, the rapid river. Think on the calmness. Think on the stillness. Think on the peace giver. Think on the peace that's on the inside. Don't meditate. Now, now, again, we stand on those scriptures. You know, I don't have a spirit of fear. Instead of focusing on the fear, focus on the spirit of love. Amen. The spirit of a sound mind. The spirit of peace. Focus on those things. So remember, we're in the book of Joshua, and God's speaking to Joshua. And in verse 8, he says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein, Day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Now, Glory to God. And it, and it goes on a little bit more. and says, if you do it, I'll make you prosperous and you'll have good success. Now, Joshua right about this, because remember, Moses just died. Yep. And right before Moses died, he gave, the, he, he, he gave the law. He read the law in front of all the people of Israel. Yep. Right now, Joshua's mind is exploding. I have to do all the law? Oh, my gosh. And I have to yeah. lead this millions of people. Right? And this is what God's telling him. You know, and, he, and he tells him, if you do it, I'll give, you'll have good success and you'll be prosperous. God, though, he, here's his thoughts. 
You know, he just told him twice in the last couple of verses, verses be strong and of good courage. Now for a third time, he says, have I not commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee wherever thou goest. Glory to God. Now, a lot of people don't don't know what this word dismayed means. And in, in the in the Old Testament, that's the Hebrew word uh, katath. Uh, it's in the Old Testament 54 times. That's a lot. But uh, and the definition is to be shattered, to be broken, to be abolished, to be afraid, to be scared, to be terrified. By confusion and fear. But so he says, don't be, he says, don't be shattered, don't be broken, don't be abolished, don't be afraid, don't be scared, don't be terrified by confusion and fear. These are the weapons of your enemy. Yeah. He said, don't do it. Now listen. But God, I just can't help but be afraid. Yes, you can. God would be an unjust God if he told you to. If God said, don't do this. And yet you're unable to do it. God would be unjust. You have the ability to not be fearful. God placed it in your spirit. It's not in your mind. It's not in your emotions. It's in your spirit. Which means you've got to train your mind and your emotions to obey the spirit. See, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is no fear. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, is total freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is total freedom. And so what you have to do is you've got to tap into your spirit. When fear and anxiety and worry attack is coming at your mind. It's not coming at your spirit. You're too mind-centered. You're not walking in the spirit. In fact, Romans chapter 8 says to be, to be of the mind is death, but to be of the spirit is life eternal. So what you have to do when fear, worry, and, and stress, anxiety hits your mind, you've got to go, stop right there, mind. I'm not listening to you today. I'm listening to the spirit. Uh, mind, uh, what's going on in the spirit? Take that moment and say, wait a minute, my spirit is at complete peace. (laughs) Body, mind, line up with the spirit right now in Jesus' name. I refuse to be fearful. I refuse to worry. The word of God says that he's gone before me and he has prepared my way. Go to Philippians chapter 4. Let's get over into the New Testament. We see all of, I mean, we could preach the entire sermon out of the Old Testament. But, let's get over into the New Testament. Verse 6. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. If you want to start there. <laughs> we can, well, we need to back, let's, yeah, let's back up a little bit. 6 is the key, you know, but let's back up a little bit. Let's Philippians back, 4. Let's back, back up to 4. All right, let's back, so Philippians 4, 4. No, Philippians chapter, chapter four, four, 4, verse 4. Yeah. Here's a, one of the key things right here says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Listen, if, you're so, if, you're, if you are busy rejoicing out of your mouth, you cannot be thinking on things that worry you. Seriously. 
The world tells us, oh, you need to be a multitasker. Your brain, though it can jump from subject to subject to subject very quickly, cannot be speaking one thing and thinking another for very long. For very long. Give you, let's, get, let's take the test. Everybody get a picture of a zebra in your mind. See, see some zebras in your mind. I can't picture a zebra in my mind anyways. What can you picture in your mind? It's happy and good and joyful. Oh, okay. Penguins. Fluffy I don't bunnies. Bunnies? Fluffy bunnies. Fluffy bunnies. <laughs> we instead of looking at zebras today, we'll look at some fluffy bunnies or some penguins. Get, get a herd of fluffy bunnies in your mind. Can you picture it? Can That's you picture terrifying. it? You got to think it's terrifying. I said something good. <laughs> something good. Something nice. Something pleasant. You got a hold of it in your mind? You got a hold of it in your mind? Uh, yes. Come on, gotta get it. We grab a hold of it. All right. You got a hold of it? Mm-hmm. Don't let your image go. I'm going to ask you some questions, and I want you to answer them out loud. I'm going to ask you some questions, and I want you to answer them out loud. But, but while you're answering them out loud, keep your image in your mind. What is your first, middle, and last name? You still got bunnies? No. Michael Dunn lost his bunnies. Y'all it's still not got hard bunnies? For me. All right. All right. What's your address? There's a long pause. You still got them? What's your birthday? I'm glad y'all what's your, what's the, What day did you graduate high school? You still got pictures? You still got it? You still see it? Oh, yeah. Now, at any point, let's be honest. Oh, let's be, let's be honest. At any point, did they blink out of your mind? Absolutely. For a second. <laughs> at any point. See? 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 For, for a moment, they left. You were able to bring them right back. But when you were speaking, you didn't have them. You lost them for a moment, if you're being 100% honest. See, if you're rejoicing, if you're rejoicing, Father, I praise you. Father, I honor you. I made a habit of this. We were walking out of rib country today. I freaked somebody out. Bless their sweethearts. I was walking out. See, if, I, if my mind is always rejoicing, then the devil doesn't have an avenue to get into my thoughts. So we're walking out. I was, ahead, I was ahead of everybody, and I walked out, and I was like, Hallelujah, praise you, Lord. I love. And this guy was out there smoking, and he didn't see me, but he heard me, and he just, Oh, I thought he was like, Oh my God, God's real. He did see me, <laughs> and then he was like, Oh, okay, it's a person. <laughs> See, the love of God will cast out all sin. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But no, just make a habit of it. See, if you're rejoicing, rejoicing, always rejoicing, then fear, stress, worry, and anxiety cannot enter the mind and stay. Amen. It can enter, but it cannot stay. So we tell people that they have to uh, have faith in God, right? Honestly, that's not that hard. If you believe that God created the heaven and the earth, that he knows all things, he can do all things, it's not hard to have faith that he, he's going to do what he says he's going to do. His word says that he's always truthful and he's always true and he's always there. 
It's not that hard to believe that. Where I have a problem, and where I suspect most people do, is believing that I'm following my part. Yes. See, God says that as long as we're following his word, he's going to be right there with us and nothing will stop us. Nothing can, can hold us back. We will, he will give us all things if we keep our eyes on him. But Michael has a problem with this. Michael is very easily distracted, as Robbie pointed out, with the fluffy bunnies. I can't even keep a picture of a fluffy bunny in my head, even when she's not talking. <laughs> so Michael has problems with this. But that's where... The, but, but, but you can train yourself to yes. keep fluffy bunnies in God, your head. God, God, God shows us that we are growing and that we are perfecting and that we are becoming perfect. And, and to grow anything in life... You have to exercise it. If you want to grow your muscles, you exercise them. If you want to grow your faith, you exercise it. If you want to grow your tummy, you feed it. If you want to grow your fluffiness, you exercise your eating ability. Yeah, yeah. If you want to grow your tummy, you exercise it. I mean, it's... The eating side of it. Right? Come on, Same thing goes with being strong and of good courage. Come on. And, and, but here's the thing that helps you. You can rejoice. You know that you know that he's with you and he's going to help you. You just keep your eyes on him, and you, and if you rejoice, that fear goes away. It drops away. Uh, I tell you what, some areas that you can rejoice that'll just make the devil just mad. The devil hates to be mocked. The devil drops a thought in your head. Family's going to hate what you cook. Father, I praise you that this is the best meal they've ever had. Father, I thank you that they love it. Father, I thank you that they just beg for this meal time and time again. Father, I thank you that you make it tasty and you make it good. Rejoice. The devil's telling you they're going to hate it. You already know that's a lie. So just go ahead and mock him in the moment. Oh, you're going to lose your job. Father, I thank you that my job is safe and secure. My job is secure. My home is secure. Rejoice. Rejoice See, over. Take the lie and turn the lie into rejoicing. See, now, but God knew that the, the spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. Yeah. You know, so he made a way. You know, when we, those times when we, when we, when we mess up and, and, we, and, we, and we're not good enough and we're not following God and we're not keeping our eyes on him, once we realize that, we just repent. We, turn, we spoke about it this morning. You turn away from it. You ask God to forgive you. You say, God, help me not to ever do that again. I purpose in my heart I'm never going to do it again. And God, right at that moment, you were made righteousness, righteous with God again. You are now back on the path. It's, it's Glory to instantaneous. God. And then you can rejoice. Glory to God. Well, we've got to get to verse 6, 7, and 8. Let's get here. Okay. Verse, verse 5 says, let your moderation, another way to say this is let your faith be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Yes, he is. Don't hide your faith. Hiding your faith will give an opportunity for fear, worry, and anxiety to come in. Don't hide your faith. Now, you don't have to be obnoxious about it. You don't have to be in the Walmart and people ten aisles over here. You go, glory to God, he's got my provision, I've got it. You don't have to do that. But you can go in and say, Father, I thank you that the store has exactly what I need. And somebody close by hears you, oh, well. Verse 6 says, be careful for nothing. Now, this careful is, is worry. 
Yep. It means don't worry or be in fear about anything. Yeah, we're, I'm going to read this in the Amplified here in just a minute. Okay. But um, so, but now things come up. You know, I mean, you get in a car accident. Now what? You know, I don't have a car. How am I going to get to my job? My leg's broken. I can't do my job. You know, there's all kinds of things. But what does it say? It tells you what to do. It's, see that little semicolon there? That tells you that, that what we're going to say next is directly uh, related to what we just said, which is be careful for nothing. It says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Glory to God. He, no, notice when he said, be careful for nothing, what that really means is don't carry the care. Right. Don't worry about don't it. Don't carry the care. Don't it, carry the care. It, it doesn't mean drive recklessly. No. It doesn't mean <laughs> just, whatever I want to do, I can do it. It does not know what it means. It means don't carry the care. The amplified, the, regu- the, the, the amplified, not the classic, but the mm-hmm. regular amplified states it this way. Do not be anxious or worried about anything. But in everything, every circumstance and situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, continue to make your, your specific request known to God. Amen. When something comes, be quick to pray. When a situation comes, be quick. When the bill comes in, be pray quick to put it on the board and say, Jesus, you've got mail. Yep. And that's all you got to say. You don't Jesus, have, you you don't have to go into some long, drawn-out prayer about no. the bill. Nope. God, you've got mail. Yep. God, this is, God, this is your problem. This isn't mine. What are you doing? You're not taking on the worry, and you're not taking on the concern. Now, does it mean that you pay no attention to the bill? Oh, that's the bill. I chucked that in the trash. That belongs to Jesus. No. Guess what's going to happen? You've got to pay it. Your powers are going to get cut off. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. But use your faith. Father, I thank you. Now, here's what you need to understand about faith. I'm going to take a time out right here. You need to understand, God never comes early. Never. He never comes early. Man, oh man, I would love it if the bill showed up and I I pulled the bill out out of the mailbox. Really? Uh, you want me to tell you the truth about what happens? I pay the bill, and within a day to two days, the next bill shows up in my email. Immediately. Yep. I would love it that's that crazy. as soon as I paid this bill, two days later when I got the email, even though it's not due for another 30 days, I would love it if I had the money in the account to go ahead and go on down and pay the bill. But see, God never shows up early. He always shows up right on time. Because if he showed up a month early, it wouldn't require any faith. No. You know, if he shows up two weeks early, I mean, thank God, Jesus, he's, got, he's done that for us before just because that's the desire of my heart. And he loves to bless me. But there are times that he, I mean, I told you, Lord, we got to have we get to have that much money. Guess what? Right down to the wire. He said, oh, here you go. I mean, he took it right to the wire. But I was able. Lord, thank you, Father. It's due on the first, and it came in before the first. I thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Now, again, 
not saying we didn't have it in the bank, but I set so much money aside and different things like that. I don't want you to think the church is in some type of financial crisis because it's not. I'm just giving you an example. Glory to God. All right. So if we're careful for nothing and we and we and in, in everything we give prayer and, and supplication with thanksgiving, making our requests made known to God, then verse seven and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. So when something comes against you, immediately pray, turn it over to Jesus. Immediately. Then check your spirit and get in agreement with the peace that's in the spirit. Amen. Immediately. Then, he's not done instructing us. Nope. Let's read on. <laughs> Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Now... I just saw this, been preaching this for years and years and years, and I've never seen it before. Isn't it interesting that he said, number one, cast the care. Number two, give it over to Jesus. Number three, pray, uh, uh, check your peace. And number four, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Fear, worry, and anxiety come because Satan wants you thinking on the false lie. He wants you thinking on the lie. But here, he tells us, if, we'll, uh, if I'll allow Pastor Mike to read the rest of the verse, really what <laughs> he's saying is he says, first and foremost, think on what is true. Because the devil wants you to think on what is the lie. Or false. Or false. He wants you thinking on, you're going to drown, you're not going to make it, there's no way out. Well, if the devil's telling you no way, there's no way out, the truth is there's a way out. The devil wants you dismayed. That's right. He wants you all. No, God tells us exactly what to set our mind on. All right. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely. Fuzzy bunnies. <laughs> whatsoever things are of good report if there be any virtue and if there be any praise think on these things devil comes against you oh they're talking about layoffs you know, you know you're going to be one of them you know you're going to be the one getting laid off now wait a minute god said he'd provide me with an income now wait a minute Satan, that thought's coming from you. Now, now let, me, let me be clear. Not every wrong thought is from Satan. Some wrong thoughts, in fact, most wrong thoughts are your own, are, are you, oh Lord, me. It's your own flesh. It's your own flesh. It's your own negative thinking. Now, I have a tendency to be, to be I, 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 I've worked really hard to become a positive person. But every once in a while, I'll slip over into negative mode. And when I get over into negative mode, my husband is even appalled at my negativity, which says a lot. Oh, yeah. Because he was raised by two world champion negative people. Oh, yeah. I mean, if it could be ne- I mean, you could have something beautiful and lovely, and they'll find something negative. They'll find some negative thing. And Michael's real good at it. He slips over into it real easy. But what did the Lord say? He, sa- he said, think on what's true. Think on what's honest. Think on the good report. Think on what's pure. Think on what's lovely. Well, if you're, th- if you're running around thinking the world's out to get you, is that true? No, the world's not out to get you. they got their own problems. If you're thinking the world's out to get you, is that honest? Is that of an honest report? No. 
Again, they've got their own problems. They are, they are not concerned with you as much as you think they are. Uh, is, it, is it a lovely thought? No. Oh, my God, the world's out to get me. Everything that happens is because they want to take me down. Oh, my gosh, that's not lovely. Don't think on that. What's the truth? The truth is the world, doesn't, the, the world is not concerned about me. The truth is my God is concerned about me. My, the truth is, is God is out to bless me, not hurt me. Amen. He loves me. The truth me. is, you know, the pure truth is, is God loves me and he wants to take care of me. If you will train your brain, how you get out of stress, worry, and anxiety is you train your brain and your emotions to think this way. Think on what is true. Think on what is good. Think on what is pure. Think on, and if nothing else, if you can't think of the truth, then praise God he's got your victory. Nothing else, just praise. Nothing else, just praise. We're going to look at one more verse real quick, and then we'll call it quits. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Well, what does this have to do with healing? Well, this has everything to do with healing because if you can get your worry under control, sickness and disease will go to the wayside. Amen. Sickness and disease will go to the wayside. Verse 7. First Peter chapter 5. Now. Or 6. Let's go to 6. Okay. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Now, this is a hard thing, but in order to cast your fear, worry, and anxiety, you are going to have to humble yourself. Mm -hmm. Why? Because you are full of fear, worry, and anxiety because you are too busy trying to figure out how you're going to fix this thing yourself. You have got to take yourself off of the throne. Yep. If you don't humble yourself, you cannot put your problems in the hand of God. You can't. You're, you're you just not going to because you're going to think you can do it yourself. You can't. So first things first is you've got to be willing to admit, Father, I can't do this without you. Father, I cannot, I cannot be a success without you. Father, I cannot solve this problem without you. You've got to humble yourself. You've got to say, Father, I have tried to do, I have tried to do life my way, and every single time I've tried to do it my way, I've made a mess. Father, I'm laying down control, and I'm giving you control. That's humble. Now, some people say, oh, if you be humble, that means you're a doormat. No. No, 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 no. Humble, humble does not mean you're a doormat. Humble does not mean you're poor and without. Humble simply means that you acknowledge that without God, you cannot succeed. Without God, you cannot succeed. Notice he said, humble yourself, therefore, how? Under the mighty hand of God. Not, he's not talking about humbling yourself to people. Oh, I'm just down and out, and I just can, you just, can you just handle this problem for me? That's not being humble. That's begging. No. Humble says, Lord, I've got myself into a mess. Lord, I know you told me. Listen, Michael and I had to humble ourselves to stand in this pulpit. Because Why? Because, yeah, I know a lot of the word, from, but it's all head knowledge. I cannot preach the word without the anointing. I have tried. 
I've tried to get up and give a sermon, like write out a paper and give a sermon. And it's dry and it's boring and it's a drudgery for you and me. No, I can't do it without the hand of God. I can't succeed without the hand of God. Humble yourself, casting all of your cares upon him, for he careth for you. The Amplified reads it, the Amplified Classic reads it this way. Casting the whole of your care, all of your anxieties, all of your worries, all of your concerns, once and for all, on him. For he careth for you affectionately, and he cares about you watchfully. God wants to take care of you. God wants to be your provider. God wants you to succeed, and he wants you to overcome. He wants you, but in order for you to do that, you have to cast your care. Now, uh, I used to use casting like a fish line. You take the rod and you fling it real good and you get that thing way out there away from you. But then I was listening to another minister who used to use the same example, and the Lord showed her. He said, no, don't cast it that way. She said, why not, Lord? He said, because you're still attached to that thing and you keep reeling it back in. He said, no, don't do that thing. It was Nancy Dufresne. Remember, she was out on the boat. She, her and her sisters and her dad got out. Got, they had been on the boat in a long time. And they got out there and got on the boat. And it was a little John boat of some type or whatever. But they got out on the boat. And they kept hearing up there in the front of the boat. They kept hearing scratch, 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 scratch. Scratch, 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 scratch. Scratch, 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 scratch. And their daddy figured out there's a rat up underneath the, the top of the boat there. And so he told them. He said, girls, he said, I'm going to take the boat to shore. He said, when I get over by the shore, I'm going to keep that part of the boat kind of towards the water. He said, I want you to ease out of the boat real gentle. Because he's got his daughters in there, you know. And so he, uh, he's, he's out. And they're grown women, but they're still girls. So they get out of the, so they ease out of that boat. And that thing's in there going scratch, 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 scratch. Well, he pulls out his knife. Pretty big knife. And he goes up to the front of the boat and he reaches under there with that knife and he goes, and he stabs around a few times and he pulls out the knife and the rat is, is attached to the knife but it's still living. So he, he grabbed the rat by the tail. And he pulled out the knife. And then he took the rat by the tail and he whacked it real hard on the side of the boat to kill it. And then he took it and he flung it as hard as he could out into the water. And when he did that, the Lord spoke to Nancy and, he, and the Lord said, Now that's how you cast your care. You, grab a, you, you, you stab that thing. And then you grab a hold of it and you beat it a few times. And then you toss it as far away from you as you can get it. That's what it means to cast. See, when, you have, when something concerns you, when something worries you, when something is trying, when, when a, you need to understand, it's a spirit of fear. It's a demonic spirit of worry. It's a spirit of anxiety. It's a demon trying to grab a hold of you. So what you need to do is you need to grab a hold of that thought. 
You need to grab a hold of that emotion. What is, um, what is, uh, Corinthians tell us? It says, take every thought captive and cast it away, bringing it into the submission of God. You need to grab that thought. You need to stab it. You need to beat it. You need to throw it away from you as far as you can. And then you need to take the, that, that, the spirit. You need to get rid of that. And then you need to take what you were thinking and bring it in line with God. God said, the, the thought says you're going down. You need to say, I'm going over. The thought says you're not going to financially make it. I'm full of prosperity. My Lord supplies, my God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory. Now, what happens? So, so how, do you, how do you stab a thought? <laughs> how do you stab a thought? That's a so, great question. You, know, you, you be strong and very courageous. You be not dismayed and you, be, and you do not get into fear. Okay. You use the word of God. Yeah, that's your knife. As, as, the, as the weapon that it is intended to be, and you tell that devil no. Yeah. Now, what do you do when the thought tries to come back? Stab it again. Cast it again. Bring it in submission again. You do it over and over and over. You will always have an opportunity to worry. You will always have an opportunity to fear. You will always have an opportunity to get discouraged and dismayed. The question is, is are you going to take the opportunity? It's kind of like behind door number one, we have fear, worry, and anxiety. With fear, worry, and anxiety comes uh, mental illness. It comes mental exhaustion and physical pain and gastric issues. Or behind door number two is the promises of God. Uh, which door are you going to take? Door one or door two? Oh. I'm taking door two. Oh. I'm taking door two. You've got to go back to Deuteronomy for that. I'm taking door two. That's where I'm going. I'm taking door two. But here's the deal. It goes, you're going right back to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. It says, see, I have set before you this day life and good, death and evil. There you go. And even in 19, it says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. You're going to have opportunities. I'll share this one last thing with you. Dad Hagen, and I've had the same problem. I'll do it this way. I, uh, I had, uh, eh, we'll go with this other one. Eh, we'll do this one. I had gotten a ticket in Tennessee. I had gotten a ticket in Tennessee. And I, write, and I really did not think that I deserved the ticket. The officer was rude. The officer was not okay. The officer busted me in the school zone, which I was not, which when I went into school zone, I slowed down and all of this. Well, I was full of fear, worry, and anxiety because my, part of it was my husband was upset that, we was, that I had a ticket and we had to pay for it. And we had to go up there. And I was concerned about my driver's license and concerned about insurance and all of that. You know, all of those things came on me. So I would just, so when I got the ticket, I just said, thank you, Father. You're going to vindicate me. Everything's going to be fine. There's not going to be any problem. I cast the care. The closer the date came, the more the devil would come, the more the thought would come, you're going to have to pay the full price. They're going to add points to your license. Your insurance is going to go up. Your husband's going to be angry with you. Da, 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 da. Okay, Lord. Got in the shower that morning. 
things are going to melt down, you know, just father. And I just kept saying, father, I'm going to turn it over. Father, I'm going to turn it. Father, I turn it over. Father, I turn it over. The thought would come, father, I've already prayed about this situation. I thank you that I'm vindicated. I'm not carrying the care. Time and time again. Got to the courtroom. Oh, my gosh. Fear and anxiety hit my mind. So much so that instead of looking to God, I looked to my husband. I said, what do you want me to say? He said, don't say anything at all. I was like, well, you're a whole lot of help. I was thinking he was just telling me to hush. But he had actually heard from the Holy Ghost, and I didn't know it. So they call everybody. everybody, Everybody's case is done but mine. The courtroom is empty but me and Mike. And, And as the courtroom was entering, officer after officer after officer after officer was coming in the room. How much do you know? Stress, fear, and anxiety. Just, I mean, just wailing up on the inside of me. world was out to get you. world was out to get me. They're setting me up. This is not okay. I stood up before the judge, and the judge said, well, he said, uh, we're inclined just to completely dismiss these charges unless you have something to say. And immediately I said, no, I'm good. You don't have anything going on. We're good. And he asked me about four more times. About four more times. And I kept going, no, I'm good. No, I'm good. See, that, that spirit, that, that, that emotion to get in fear, that emo- you need to defend yourself. You need to defend yourself. You need to defend yourself. So after the fourth or fifth time that he asked me, I said, well, seems how you seem to want to know. Let me just tell you the flat truth about it. And, honey, I just let off. And then the officer had his say. And he recorded more than I thought he did or saw more than I thought I did than he did because he was not, like I said, he was not okay when he pulled me over. And then they said, well, you confessed to it, so now you're guilty. Here's your fine. And everything that I feared came upon me. You need to understand this about fear, worry, and anxiety. If you don't take control of it, what you fear will come upon you. Do you hear me? If you don't take authority over it, if you don't cast your care, what you fear will come upon you. You've got to learn to cast your care. This is why God said, "Don't." Ca-. He, this is why the Lord tells us over and over and over again. You know, as people will say, "Oh, cancer runs in my family. I'm destined to get cancer." What do they speak? They're speaking out of fear. Mm-hmm. What comes upon them? The thing that they feared. Well, everybody in my family dies early. I guess I'm going to die early too. They're talking that way because they fear it and it comes upon them. What they need to be saying is, Father, I thank you that cancer will not attach itself to my body. Father, I thank you that I will not die prematurely. Father, I thank you that I live under the blessing and not the curse. Father, Father, I thank you that I've been delivered from the curse of sin and death and I live under the blessing. That's right. Well, glory to God. So, how do, you get, how do you stay out of sickness and how do you come out of sickness? You cast the care. You cast the care in Jesus' name. You don't want to use that one. That pen's terrible. i got to get rid of it. Okay. Well, Mr. Derek, <laughs> if you'll come, we'll do our tithes and our offerings. We give you an ch- opportunity to, show us, to tithe or to give an offering in every service. We don't ever want to deny you the ability for God to make you a blessing. If you've already tied off your income, well, then your ties are done, but you can always sow a seed. So, Derek, if you'll come, serve the people. I, I said that twice. I, didn't, I wasn't rushing you. I just, anyways, why don't you bless? <laughs>
Oh, I don't know about y'all, but uh, this has been good for me tonight. Lord, uh, I just thank you for this word. I thank you that, 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 that you have made us able to be strong and very courageous and that you have made us to exist without fear or worry, without dismay, that we can that, that all we have to do is keep our eyes upon you and, our, and your words in our mouths and, and meditate on, on your word and, and think about the good things. Think about the true things. Think about the, and just pray and ask you to do things for us and, and it'll get done and we don't have to worry. And, and we don't have to be in condemnation and we definitely don't have to be in fear. I just thank you, Lord, that, that you have led us to this knowledge and that, that it will grow, that it, it will be a seed planted on good ground in our hearts and in our minds and in our spirits. And it will grow in our lives and bear fruit in our lives and in the lives of those that come in contact with us, Lord. I just, I just love that you are so gracious and you are so generous. And Lord, I, I just want to give into your kingdom. We give, Lord, uh, with a generous heart and a grateful heart. And we ask that you bless this offering, that it go further than we could ever ask, hope, or think towards the doing of your work. In Jesus' mighty name. Glory to God. Glory to God. Father, we thank you that your word is true. Your word is working. Father, I just praise you and I thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Derek, you can serve the people. I know we went the hour and a half tonight. We try not to do that on healing school. But this was such an important topic that we really wanted to get it across to you that you have to, you, you've got to learn to just cast off onto God. Well, praise the Lord. We'll be back Wednesday night at 7 for our Wednesday night teaching. Um, I think we're going to go ahead and move on into the office of the bishop, but we'll see how the Lord leads us. If you need us, reach out and call, to, call us or text us. But we love you and have a wonderful night. Glory to God. Yes, ma'am.